Ah. Pigs have all gone. Used to be full of pigs, Dad. Yeah, that pig shit. Dogs took care of them. Don't think I could hack being a pig. <laughs> I don't think you could either. What's so bad about being a pig? It's undignified. Undignified. Walking about with you. Nose the same height as your arse. Snow. What's that? Pigs have snow, it's not noses. So it'll be snow at the same height as your arsehole. No, snow. Still trotting about gazing up everybody else's arseholes all day long. What kind of society is that? An equal one? Hey everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show Black Mirror. Today we'll be covering the fifth episode from Black Mirror Season 4 titled Metalhead. I'm a little partial to that title. I like it. <laughs> I feel like that was like probably your nickname in high school because you're, you're a big metalhead. I was a huge <laughs> and still, yeah, probably a, a pretty big metalhead. Yeah, I was a little bit partial. Um, not quite for the reasons um, in this episode, but uh, but yeah, I'm a little partial. So uh, before we jump into our top five, you want to give me an overall you like, didn't like? I liked it. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. wasn't um, it wasn't probably like the most exciting episode, maybe um, mm-hmm. because it, it had a little bit of a black mirror to it, but it was definitely just like, again, kind of like the episode last week for Hanging the Deer. It was just a really good, like, in, individual, you know, one-off episode. Yeah, I agree. I liked it, too, and I'm excited to talk about it. So let's get into our top five, and why don't you kick us off, Sean? All right. So for my number five, kind of basically just a little bit like I just said. So my favorite thing about this was kind of just being dropped into this universe, like mm-hmm. this, you know... This episode just drops you right in. You're in a car with these couple people driving along the road. And, you know, Black Mirror does a great job with that. Like, every episode you kind of fall in and you're instantly, like, trying to, like, figure out your surroundings. It's like picking up a video game that somebody's played halfway through and you're like, okay, how do the buttons work? Like, what are the rules? What's going on here? What do I do? Um, and that's really what I felt here. Uh, the the thing that kind of I really enjoyed about it too, is you, you know, Black Mirror, it always seems like you're getting breadcrumbs, like, you know, every few minutes, every little bit in the episode, you're learning more and more. Like, okay, so this is the rule here. Okay, oh, I know where this is going. I know where this is going. And with this episode, they didn't really have as much of that. Mm-hmm. It was more. It was just more of that. Like, you're you're kind of watching this thing unfold. Like, you're not really like you're not figuring out what's happening. Like, you don't understand this universe. You don't understand really the rules. You just kind of are watching this person survive in in, in the some very chaotic moments. You know, you Uh have no idea why these dogs are there. You have no idea how the world fell into what it did. You have no idea why they're even being hunted or like where she's trying to run to. Right. Uh, I just, you know, we, again, like we see that with a lot of episodes where like the twist at the end too is kind of like, Oh, I got it now. That's, that's clever. With this one, there was a little bit of a twist, but it didn't really twist to the episode. Like it didn't like reveal like this, you know, oh my gosh, the dogs were actually humans or anything like that. It was just, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, the, the twist in the end was, you know, it's like, oh, the, you know, they were trying to get a teddy bear. Yeah. Which, yeah. You just found out what they were after. There wasn't really like a definitive, like you said, twist. It just, it's just like, it just ended. We didn't get uh, to see anything after, you know, just, nope, oh, that's it. Yeah. You know, you kind of see the, the dramatic effect of everybody, you know, what they went through. Um, but I just really, really enjoyed like the, the set. It was a very small cast too. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it felt very grungy and very indie too, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of my number five is this like we're being dropped into this universe. You know, we're just kind of like, as always, you're, I guess you're kind of dropped into these universes in Black Mirror, but they didn't kind of handhold you and explain everything to you at the very end and tidy up. It was just kind of left very open-ended and, you know, it's, it's, you know, just one of those at the end, you don't feel, you know, I guess, I guess the best way to put it is like Black Mirror is one of those shows that at the end of a lot of episodes, they kind of tidy things up, but you don't feel satisfied at the end. You feel like, oh, okay, well, I'm kind of like, I feel like I've been on an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. And this one, you had that sense. It's like, oh, okay, I'm coming back into the, you know, the the stoppage of the roller coaster. And like, you know, I feel miserable. Like, I don't even want to get out of the cart. I feel so sad. That's kind of what you had here. <laughs> I know. I feel like um needed one of those teddy bears um, out of the box yeah. to kind of latch on to to try to get some good feelings back. <laughs> That's how you feel after a Black Mirror episode, except for the last one, in my opinion. Yeah, the last one was very uplifting, but this one they kind of like, yeah, very much like a punch in the stomach. It's like, oh, yeah, you felt a little lovey-dovey from last week's episode. Boom, Mm. punch to the gut. Let's bring you back down, Black Mirror (laughs) style. (laughs) Absolutely. And I'm just going to tag on to that if you're finished with your number five there. Yeah, take it. um, That just kind of goes into my number five. So I'll just kind of add on to what what you already said because I think – what you said was brilliant and and beautiful and just like I said flows into my number five and my number five is the atmosphere so the episode was shot in black and white and I really loved that I love black and white at least when it's appropriate I wouldn't want it every time or anything but I think it can be really beautiful but I think in this particular episode it really added to like the desolate feel of this post-apocalyptic world um And it wasn't just that it was shot in black and white. There was a whole mixture of things I felt that just kind of really immersed you into this world. Uh, That screeching music that they used, Mm -hmm. that like high-pitched violin sound. I mean, that to me, it's like I like it because I feel like it really adds to the intensity of what's happening. Like in the beginning when they're first at uh, at the warehouse and they're up on the stairs and all of a sudden they see that dog. The the, the guy falls and, and, and that robo dog you know kills him and they're, the whole time it's like in the slow motion yeah. um, and that screeching violin just in, that intensity because you're like what the hell's going on what is this thing what's in the box what are they doing you, you what's have in all the these box things. yeah what's in the box damn it because the whole warehouse is full of these boxes i mean we don't know what's in any of them and we don't know that it contains you know the same thing but you know they're after this one particular box i mean I get that they have a purpose and that they have to, they're after this one particular thing, but it's like, why aren't they scouring the rest of the boxes? Why aren't they looking for things? But they seem to know what's there um, and they're after this one thing. But I feel like that music just really enhanced the intensity. And and it it is a little, to me, as much as what I enjoy that it adds to the scene, it's also a little nails on the chalkboard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) A little bit. To me, I'm just, I'm kind of sensitive to uh, certain sounds like that. And it just kind of makes me go, oh, it gives me that icky nails on a chalkboard feeling. Um, But I enjoy it at the same time because I think it does add to it. I enjoyed the the scenery as a whole, Um, like the cinematography. I think it was kind of desert like which just added to like there was nothing growing 
there was no life. I mean, there was barely any trees. It, it just seemed to be kind of desert. Like there was a little bit of trees, but there wasn't really any green or grass. Yeah, it was very wastelandy. Yeah, um, you didn't see any other form of life. Like you said, it was a very short or small cast, just a few people. You didn't see any other people, at least alive people. Um, you had these robo dogs, which aren't real um, living, breathing beings. So there were no animals. I don't even know that I saw any birds or yeah i don't like recall that. now you say that yeah and all the pigs were dead so i don't know if they died on their own or if these dogs killed them right so there's it just adds to the whole feeling of of like this aloneness and it reminded me a lot of like mad max um the original a little mad bit max. yeah of just not uh, as like not as fast paced um no definitely just, yeah definitely mad max just like a post-apocalyptic feel of how like desolate and isolated and alone and no other sign of life is kind of what it reminded me of, at least in the beginning of Mad Max. Um, and I think that it's something that we kind of see often in Black Mirror, like these, you know, the way that they pick these um, certain locations to really, I think, put you in in the episode. You know, like in um, the one episode we had in um, Crocodile, um, yeah, episode yeah. three, you know, that was shot in Iceland. And as much as you know, I wouldn't want to live there because it, well, cold. I don't like cold. Um, <laughs> but it was beautiful. I mean, the scenery was just absolutely beautiful and it was breathtaking. So I really like how they can find these locations to really, and for me anyway, my feeling whenever I'm watching it really puts me in it. So, you know, the fact it was, you know, black and white, the music, the cinematography, I thought everything was just really beautiful and I thought really added to, to everything. So that's uh, interesting. That's... I, I haven't really thought about it until just now, but you know, you look at this episode in uh, Last uh, or Crocodile. You know, they had some shots in there where, like, this is a technological like universe, right? World that you know, technology's all over the place. But they seem to find a lot of like scenarios and situations where you see these characters and they look so like alone and like you know stuck in the middle of nowhere. Um, I'd kind of like to go back and like kind of watch from that mindset to see if like that's like in this world what people want to do. I mean, of course, in this mm-hmm. one they're running for their lives. But you know, like in Crocodile, why were they driving on this landscape where there was nobody? Right. Was it the idea of like there's so much technology, like you don't get a moment to yourself. You have to go to, you know, the farthest regions of the world to be, you know, kind of alone and by yourself. Otherwise, you're just surrounded by all this stuff. Right. That's true. Kind of take you out of the noise and the distraction. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. And it, it puts you really in this moment and makes you pay attention maybe and makes you focus on in that moment maybe. That's really good observation. Cool. Yep. Um, and your number five kind of leads into my number four. It was actually just the black Sweet. and white. Um, you know, to me, uh, I'm a huge fan of Clerks, um, and mm-hmm. it's done in black and white. So a lot of times it can be done well. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I feel like people do it to kind of be like uber artistic. But in this, <laughs> right. it was just done very well. You know, it was, you know, you quickly fell into it. Like, you know, I, I saw the trailers for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of knew like this was coming. It was going to be a black and white episode. And, Usually with shows like that, I kind of forget about it like halfway in. Mm-hmm. I think that's a tale of it being used well. Um, mm-hmm. But it felt very indie. Like you talked about like the slow-mo and the screeching. Like it felt like, uh, you know, like a, a really well-done college project. Or like, you know, these group mm-hmm. of 20 friends who are like, listen, we're going to make this awesome, you know, one-hour movie. You know, because the dog looked fairly fake. I mean, it looked very much, you know, not like a real thing. Like, I don't think they're actually being chased by this, but it still mm-hmm. fit. Like, it's still like, there were still the moments of panic and fear and seeing this, you know, those dogs, like, you know, walking and doing things. It's like, I don't like these things aren't self-aware, but they really seem like they're self-aware. Yeah. 
there's something behind him. At least it makes you think that there's something behind him. And I think the black and white really kind of add, like, you know, a lot of times when you think of, um, you know, like dystopia, future, you know, apocalyptic type, you know, type thing. I agree. I think black and white really adds sex. It always feels like a dark, scary future. You know, whenever you look at like the, not the past, but like the present, you know, there's usually color, there's hopefulness, but this is like something in the future that we're dreading that, you know, something happened to cause this. And this is kind of like the bleakness of it that, you know, like you think of Wizard of Oz, Wizard of Oz, when she's at Kansas, which Kansas isn't that bad. I mean, it's pretty flat, but, you know, she's in Corn Kansas. For days. <laughs> it's a rough drive. If you ever made that drive through Kansas to go to Colorado, it is a long drive. Yeah. <laughs> but. It's, you know, she's in Kansas, it's black and white, but then when she gets to Oz, you know, there's color, there's hopefulness, but, you know, there's just something to that, like, dirty, gritty, black and white type of, um, you know, film style that I, I really enjoy, and so that's kind of why I made up my number four, is I kind of like the idea of this. I hope they don't overuse it, but I would love mm-hmm. that if you see, like, if they come back to something like this, like a post-apocalyptic world, they make those black and white. It's like, you know, you see all this greatness that they have for this technology, like, it, it sucks and it's shitty, you know, for them in the present, you know, wait till this stuff gets self-aware and it's the future. This is what it looks like. They don't even have color. It's just black and white. <laughs> it's Kansas. The future it's is Kansas. Kansas. <laughs> Slip on those ruby slippers. Um, <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think it was done really well. And that, that black and the use of the black and white, I really did like, because it, it, it really added to the grittiness. Because uh, we don't know what happened. It, I think it just added to how dark whatever i don't know if it's the future i don't know what time period that this was in because i don't always know how far in the future these black mirror episodes go because some of them don't look like they're too far in the future some things look advanced and some things don't always look that advanced except for the technology um but like homes and cars and things like that can still look pretty uh like you would see today Um, so we i don't think we always have a clear picture of how far in the future or what time period that we're in but whatever happened you know, we're not given any of that information. We don't know what happened. Um, but, you know, I think it just adds to that grittiness, how how dire the situation is, how desperate it is, how isolated. And and I do like that. I think it really adds to that whole whole feel of it that, that we're meant to have. And I think that was definitely a good choice. I think it was the director that chose that. It wasn't necessarily something Charlie Brooker um, himself wanted to do when he wrote the okay. episode. I think it was the director that chose to do that. That's what I was reading whenever I was looking at um, some articles and stuff. Um, so good choice by the director, yeah. I think. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty – and I think that's kind of a, a big step to say like, oh, let's do this in black and white. Because I feel like that's probably like a lot of like directors will say like, oh, we should do this in black and white because it's artistic. Right. But in this one, it makes sense. It totally made sense. I agree. And also, uh, from what I read, I don't have it in the news, but just um, as a note that I read, that um, it was also the first episode in the series of Black Mirror to be shot in black and white. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, I haven't remember seeing any. I haven't seen the season three yet, but well, that's a good point. Yeah, good so catch. I thought that was really interesting. I remember seeing the the promo pics for I hadn't seen the episode until after we did last week so i'm not even though there's no spoilers and it's an anthology i'm still just choosing to watch it week by week uh to to kind of enjoy and focus on the one episode at a time while we're talking about it so but i did see you know as as you're going through you know you can't not see the stuff on social media as much as what you avoid spoilers i saw a couple promo shots of this without spoilers but just saw that it was black and white and thought oh i don't remember a black and white episode before um so i was looking forward to the how this one looked and uh, it didn't disappoint i liked it thought it was cool 
So anything else on your number four? Nope, that kind of tidies up my number four, just kind of the shooting of this in black and white, which kind of tied a little bit to your five. Yeah, definitely did. It's all blending nicely. Let's see if we can keep up with the flow. Um, so my number four is is definitely going into a little bit of a different direction um, as far as what we were talking about. But my number four is the robot dogs, or as I'm probably going to be calling them the rest of the time that I'm going to be talking about my um, the rest of my um, items here are robo dogs. <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. Like you got robo cops. This is blending very well because that's actually my number three. <laughs> nice. We're back in sync again, Sean. It's a good feeling. It's a good feeling to be back in sync with you. We had a couple off weeks, so <laughs> feels good. Um, but yeah, the, the Robo Dogs, I don't have, I'll have more and more to say about them because I feel like they're a big part of this episode. But just what I kind of wanted to mention in my number four, um, when I first saw it, I mean, it scared the hell out of me. The first thing I was like, Oh, you know, I was kind of like that dude up on the shelf, you know, and he he's moving this box and all of a sudden you see this thing and it's just sitting there all innocent like, and then all of a sudden it's not so innocent. Um, mm -hmm. But it reminded me when it stood up and the way it moved reminded me of a robot Demogorgon. And if anyone yeah, I can see that, yeah. Yeah, it kind of, because, you know, like in um, season two, and I'm talking about Stranger Things here, folks, if you haven't seen Stranger Things, hopefully you have, because we covered season one and two. Um, go back and listen to us if you haven't, um, and watch the show. Um, but it reminded me a lot of, uh, like, the little and the baby ones that we saw in season two. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what it kind of reminded me of, just initially, just from first look. Now, of course, it you know, uh, kind of evolved, uh, what I thought of it later on, but you know, just how it kind of moved and how it ran, it kind of almost had that look. And I thought, Oh, look, there's dart. Um, <laughs> but also I thought it also was very like Terminator esque. Yeah. With, yeah, yeah. Like no matter what you did to this thing, it was going to hunt you down and it was going to kill you. It had one purpose. It was single minded and it was brutal. I mean, and it's killing, I mean, this thing, you know, it that dude got freaked out. I mean, it, it it's did one of those little um, scatter bomb things where it it, it like blew uh, the, those trackers. Those into trackers, them. yeah, yeah. And and that dude fell off the uh, I don't know what those things are called, um, but that ladder thing um, when he was up on it, and he fell, and that dude was trying to get away. And I mean that that thing just went right up to him and just shot him right in the yeah, head. Yeah, there I mean, was no f <laughs> given by that robot. No, it was just like. It, it, that's it. You know, that's it. It's taking you down. It has, there's no reasoning with it and it's just going to take you out. And it was brutal. And like you said, it wasn't just going to like shoot you in the leg and incapacitate you. It wasn't just going to shoot you in the chest and take a chance that it was going to off you. Boom, right in the head. And it did the same thing to the, to the poor guy in the van who was almost mm -hmm. got away. You know, that thing jumped. I mean, and it was brutal. I mean, that thing did not give up. It was running and it was crashing through windows and it was like nearly destroying itself, you know, to, to get at these folks who dared to trespass or come out of hiding, you know, to, to come after their item that they were coming after item or items that they were coming after. And, and it's, I mean, it was just, it was so brutal. It just kind of, it, I remember watching and I'm, you know, the, the first guy that it killed, I, I kind of jumped back a little bit going, Whoa, you know, that was, that escalated. That wasn't just a, oh, here, I'm just going to tap you out. That took you out. That was essentially way. like, you know, whenever you watch Walking Dead or you watch zombie movies, like when you do the tap to the head to take the zombie out. Yeah. You know, this this these people are essentially zombies to these dogs. They're just like, nope, got to kill it. Yeah. 
you 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 stepped out of bounds you've crossed over um you're out of line we're just gonna take you out no questions asked you know uh, no prisoners <laughs> for sure and but the interesting thing that i thought was that they weren't completely you know indestructible you know they can take a bit of a beating you know and and still keep ticking but they can be destroyed that we saw later you know in the episode but that thing took quite a tumble whenever she, whenever it got caught in the car and she you know had kind of pushed it over or made it go over and it, it went tumbling and i thought oh surely this thing is is gonna just it's just gonna come climbing right out like you would see terminator do or something like it would just go you know make those little robot noises and climb right out like you know and just dust the dirt off itself and keep moving you know but it didn't you could see that it did get caught it tore off its own leg yeah it coyote ugly itself yeah it like it like looked over and it saw the car it's like oh i woke up next to the car what's everybody <laughs> gonna say and chewed its arm off so it could get away yeah <laughs> totally so i just thought okay and then you could see it as it was in the car and it's it's trying to like free its its one leg and you can see the scratches on it you can see the bumps and the scratches up on um i don't want to call its face i'm not really sure what you call it but you could just see it on its on the body of it and i thought oh this thing this thing isn't made out of some sort of like special titanium you know a uh, special metal that can't be harmed or destroyed and that it's completely indestructible now it like i said it can take a licking but i thought this thing you can you can take it down if if you have to you know you have to disable it somehow um like she ended up doing but um i just thought that was interesting so that's my number four was the robo dogs yeah and that leads into my number three you know it's again like you dropped in this episode you have no idea what these things are doing are they guard dogs like are they guarding this thing Mm -hmm. it seems like they're more than that like it seems like they you know are they like a government like weaponized thing that went out of control you know is it some kind of you know overlord dictator that's created these things like you have no idea why they're out there mm-hmm. but they are you know hunting these guys down those trackers are crazy so you know they you know that's the first thing the dog did when it saw the dude it shot the trackers at it. it's like listen i see you poof you're gonna have a tracker on you and i'm gonna hunt you down oh you fell and broke your leg off the scaffolding thing sweet pop to the head oh look there's more people come here people <laughs> right. i want to kill you too if it had a tail it'd be wagging <laughs> Um, I mean, the speed of these things, kind of what you're mentioning, like the one that chased down that car and jumped in, mm-hmm. I mean, and the intense fear that you would have, like, I feel like this captured like what like zombie shows should be like, like you should fear these things that are brainless and just out to kill. Yeah. Cause like that dude that was driving, he's in this vehicle and the dog jumps in the back and you're like, it's like, what are you going to do? Like, you know, your time's up and the dog climbs up to him, pops him in the head and you're like, oh, damn. Well, at least the car stopped, you know, she can get away and the damn dog like does a little magical hand trick, puts his hand into the the keyhole of the the car, and he can drive the damn car now. I know. Um, and so like you know the fear that she has, like you see it on her face because at first she's like, "Oh God, is he dead?" And then the car starts running again. It's like, yeah. "Fuck me!" That was a total R two D two move too. Yeah, it was. Um, and I mean these things are just built to kill. You know they've got kind of like predator radar. Um, they can yeah. track that tracer or that tracker. Um. He can sense blood, and it's just kind of like slowly chasing her down to like, like you said, he lost his leg, and he is still on the hunt. I don't know. The ending of this was interesting because at the end, after she kills this one, more start to come to where he's at, mm-hmm. the the dog's at. Um, so like they start at the car, then they work their way to that house. So I don't know if if it was a situ- situation where the uh, 
his kind of, you know, self-destruct is kind of what put out a call sign or if they were just starting to track him down. Like, is it a situation where these dogs are like, oh, one of our soldiers is gone. We need to find him. Or if it's like, this is a call to arms kind of thing. Yeah, I, I took it and I don't know that I'm right because I haven't read too much of it. And I think that you can kind of, you know, have your own interpretations. But I feel that the last little hurrah out of this thing after she blasted the face off of it, I'm calling it a face, um, you know, and it popped out its last little um, uh, mic drop moment was blasting out the last of its tracker on it was it somehow, I think, activated, you know, uh, a tracker for the rest of those dogs that were mm-hmm. out there. You know, that maybe they were in a somewhat isolated place where maybe that one was the only one around for a few miles and that somehow this activated like a GPS kind of system or something that alerted the other dogs that were close enough. You know, hey, we've got someone out here who's on the loose. Which is kind of interesting to think about because it's one of those things where like she took one down. Mm -hmm. So this alert could be to them is like, oh, shit, one of these people like killed one of us. Right. So we got we got to you know get everybody together and take this person down because obviously they're they're skilled enough to kill one of us. So we got to group effort destroy this threat, and then we can move on to the lackeys. I agree. Scary because yeah. these. I mean, because we don't know anything. We don't know how. You know we we don't know how this world came about. We don't know what happened. We don't know where these things come from. Uh, I, I I don't know if it's a, a Skynet type of thing where they're they've become intelligent on their own or if there's somebody running them like a person. Is it a government or, you know, and I think that in of itself was kind of scary to not know. I think it mm-hmm. was good that they didn't explore that as much as what I want to know, because I just I'm curious. I just want to know everything. I have like tons of questions like, well, what about this? And why is it like this? And why do we have that? But it's like we don't get any of those questions. So I'm OK with that. At the same time, it burns me up to not know. But I'm also OK with it because I think it, it adds to the effectiveness and the bleakness um, and, and how you don't always get to know those kinds of things. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I love when they, they do shows like this, this kind of episode where like anybody can make up what these things are and anybody can make up the prequel to this and anybody can make up the sequel to this too. Like mm-hmm. you can just make up anything you want and let your mind kind of wander. And those yeah. are the things I love because there's no there's no defined things like, nope, it's this and this and that's all you get. Like, well, what about it's like, nope, you don't get it. You just get what you saw. You're like, oh, OK, that's yes, I'll take it. Exactly. It's It's like you mentioned earlier. It's like you kind of have that feeling of you know, you're unsatisfied, but yet you're okay with being unsatisfied. Yeah. <laughs> or at least I was. I was like, I have all these questions, but I'm okay not knowing. <laughs> what I, uh, the other kind of tidbit that kind of ties into this too is I really felt like this is what a good Walking Dead episode should feel like. Mm-hmm. Like where you feel like your, you know, your characters are threatened, like realistically threatened. Um, you know, the, the fear on her face when she was running. You know, it's it's one of those things that they didn't just be like, oh, we can team together and kill these things. It's like, no, if we run into one of these, we're probably fucked. And they were. Yeah. I mean, you saw this was very bleak at the end. None of our characters survived. Yeah. And I know that, <laughs> I just have to laugh because I know you, you've you got your opinions on the walking <laughs> dead, especially after this last season. <laughs> yeah. So I just have to laugh um, out loud and internally a little bit. I know that's our own um uh, in-house conversations that we've had about it <laughs> so I laugh but I totally agree with you I don't I'm I'm the same with the current state at least that aspect of of where that show is at is I don't feel like there's a real fear anymore I don't fear 
for any of the characters anymore. But man, I was scared shitless for these guys. I mean, within just the first few minutes, boom, that guy is down. And it was brutal. And it was, there was like no hesitation. And then boom, these two, the other two that are left are running for their lives. And you can see, I mean, I could sense that fear. And you could see it in their faces of how scared they were. And, and I was scared for them. And I do not, you know, feel that at all um, in that show. And I think that's partially what it's lost because I don't, I don't fear for them anymore um and they definitely need to and in my opinion not that it matters um and not that anybody's gonna listen to me but i feel that's one little element that is missing from that show i agree i i i enjoyed it because i was um scared for i felt invested in these characters even though i didn't know them yet just within the first few minutes uh well i, you know, I love to um so the, in this day and age like zombie post-apocalyptic is kind of what you get like anybody's going into any kind of post-apocalyptic it's zombies but this is kind of a cool little take. Like these aren't zombies, but it, these are the threat. These are the things that cause the world to end. Mm-hmm. There's another show out there called Carriers. It's a movie with Chris Pine, and it's more based off of like this disease that's out there that's kind of devastated the world. And yeah. it's kind of the same feel. Like you know, they, there's a part where they're driving up to people, and you know, they're like, "Oh, you know, I'm fine, I'm fine." All of a sudden, they see like one of the kids in the car has got like a a sick mask over their face, and they're like, "Oh no, like fuck, we gotta go." And there's just that intense fear of like, you know, when, when you're in a situation where if you get exposed to this thing, like your life is legitimately on the line. Like you've got to like huff it or get away or whatever. And I just, I think those are just like, you know, very, you know, snowflake type things we have, we don't, we don't have right now. Cause everything's kind of, you know, it's just like any kind of like pop culture phenomenon, everybody tries to capture on it. And I like that these are able to take that phenomenon of post-apocalypticness, but put their own spin on it. I agree. Very good. Good thoughts. But yeah, it's just tying into your kind of number four is my number three is the uh, the dogs. Those dogs. I don't want to ever in real life see those dogs. Um, brutal. So my number three, it kind of goes in a little bit where we were talking a little bit earlier, at least as far as like about the atmosphere and some of the music. But another piece that I, I thought really was a great element about this episode was the lack of dialogue. And I really like that, like, I felt a lot during this episode. I was, uh, there was intensity. I was fearful for the characters. Um, I had lots of questions. I feel like I had a lot of feelings watching this, but there wasn't a lot of dialogue. And I found that to be really interesting. And it, I think it added, I feel a little bit to the episode, like it felt a little suffocating. I feel like that's kind of, you know, how we were supposed to kind of feel watching this a little bit is that you know like I was losing air and I felt that the lack of dialogue kind of contributed to that along with the music and the action happening because the music and the action that was happening I felt told a lot of the story that you didn't need a lot of the dialogue to happen and you know the scenery and everything that you know when you you bring all these pieces together as a whole uh, that you didn't need a lot of the words to follow the story. You know, it wasn't necessary to know what was happening. You didn't need a lot of words or a lot of people talking um, to, to follow along or to really kind of know. And, and we, you know, we, yes, we had a lot of unanswered questions like how, what happened? How did we get here? Where did those dogs come from? Who or what is controlling them? Things like that. But at least for our little piece of the story, because I feel like there's probably a really bigger picture and we just got a little piece of it in this episode. Um, so I liked how there wasn't a lot of dialogue. I think sometimes too many words kind of ruin episodes. It's too wordy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I and I and I also liked those robo dogs didn't have some weird AI voice or something. Like I feel like it would have taken away from it. Like they didn't have these weird little robot noises, like Wolf. little beeps and blows. <laughs> yeah, they didn't <laughs> bark. <laughs> no, no, um, like the little toy robot dogs that you buy your kids. <laughs> they didn't do those. Oh shoot, maybe that's where they came from. Maybe yeah, maybe they evolved and were, they were like were amped up. <laughs> like they're Tamaguchi type pets, and like they too many of them were being killed because kids wouldn't bratty kids wouldn't take care of them, and they're like well, rise of the Tamaguchis. Take care of your little AI dogs, kids. Um, let it be a lesson. But I'm glad that they didn't have like vo- I mean they didn't make any noise other than those mechanical noises as their legs like if whenever they would sit up or sit down, um, or whenever they were walking on like a hard surface, like when that one was walking. Oh, in the that house. clanking was Things so like, that. like yeah. I thought that was very effective. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I'll, I'll talk more about that later too. But, um, I, I like how they didn't have like some little weird bleeps and blurps or something like, you know, you might see out of like a little robot or something or, you know, just any type of noise. I thought that kind of took a, or, or, or kind of made it more sinister, made those little demi dogs a little bit more sinister (laughs) that they didn't have those straight, straight up, you know, weird AI noises. Um, I think it just made them more scary that they were just these straight up killing machines. So I just like that whole la- lack of dialogue, not just from the characters um, themselves, but also like there wasn't a whole lot of noise um, from the little dogs themselves. So that's what I really like, la- lack of dialogue. I think that's a good call. Like a lot of times I think uh, shows and stuff use dialogue to kind of like explain things way too much mm-hmm. instead of just letting you see what's happening. And that's what they did a good job here. I think, and to me, it, it takes a lot better actor to not speak and get across what they're trying to get across. Yeah. Because, like, to pretend that, you know, you're in these situations is not easy for sure. I think, like, one of the hardest things to do is, like, to walk across a room and sit in a chair in an acting sense. Like, it's something you do every day, but to do it where you're not trying to, you know, act it out, like, it's difficult. Like, to make it look like you're naturally trying to do this thing and mm-hmm. not act like you're doing this thing. Um, and I, I think the three of them that they picked for this, I think, did a pretty good job. They did. The actress, and I had her name in front of me, and I totally it's lost a it. It's Maxine Peek. Okay, yeah. She was, I think, really great. She had some really great facial expressions, and I, I think she was able to say a lot with her face than actually speaking um, would have done. I think it was a lot more effective. I think she did a really great job in acting. You know, uh, that role where, you know, words weren't necessary. You didn't need to know what she was feeling in that moment, you know, in those particular moments because she was able to emote it so well and express it uh, without words. And I love that. I love it when when they can pull that off. So well said. Cool. So for my number two, uh, it was the Hunger Games moment where (laughs) our uh, Bella, (laughs) our Katniss Everdeen is sitting in the tree safe from the hunters. (laughs) And, you know, she falls down and drops the thing on it. And and this is where she kind of realizes, I guess, that they, I don't know. This is the other thing I was kind of like not sure about. And maybe you can help explain it to me. So apparently they run on like solar energy maybe or some kind of battery that they have to stop and recharge. Mm -hmm. And she falls and it it wakes up, stands up, and then sits back down. And she starts counting down from a thousand, which I didn't quite understand what that played into it. If that was like the right amount of time where it couldn't charge or used it's like uh before sleep mode maybe yeah i it 
it took me on my second, and I'm not going to say I have a full understanding of it, so I, I, I could be very wrong, and I'm happy if someone wants to point this out if they've got a better understanding, is it seemed to me during my second rewatch that, like, this thing is waiting. Like, it, it's smart enough somehow to know, well, I'm just going to wait you out because you can't last up there forever, and I'm going to go into, like, a sleep mode. And you can clearly see as she's throwing things at it that it's enough to wake it up. Like, oh, it's 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 moving, she's moving, I'm awake. It's almost like it was enough to, like, it powered down enough uh, to go into, like, a sleep mode. And maybe it took more energy when it, because as she's counting, it starts to go in the sleep mode. Mm -hmm. And then when she would throw something at it to, like, make it wake up again, it's like it took more energy. It sucked the energy, whatever battery power it had left. It's like it took more. Do you know how some electronics seem to take more energy if they're, like asleep versus all the way shut down or something. Um, that's what I kind of got out of it is that she was allowing it to get to a certain mode and that it would take, cause it seemed like she was trying to burn its energy out. So it, yeah, the battery yeah. would finally die. So she was trying to somehow burn whatever power it had left. And I'm just guessing that she, through their knowledge of being in this world and how the dogs work, cause she knew what they were. She knew you know, what to kind of expect from them because she was smart enough and, I mean, she, you know, didn't, wasn't able to overcome it in the end, but she was smart enough and resourceful enough to know what those things were in her leg when the trackers, you know, when the first time when they exploded and she dug that one out of her leg, she knew what it was. I mean, I don't know if I just gotten thrust into this world that in this thing, you know, I get stuck with one of these things that I'm going to know what the hell that is and to dig it out. So obviously they have enough prior knowledge of these things um, to kind of maybe know how they run and their energy source and how they power up. So that's my guess is that she was kind of counting down, allowing it to power up or power down. So that way when she would hit it, it had to power up and it would suck up more energy. It would like drain its energy quicker. That was that makes sense, what I yeah. took away from it. I, I could be totally off, but that's what made sense in my brain because I was questioning. She was like, "Why is she counting? Why is she? Because she'll hit it. She counts. It goes to sleep, and then she hits it again after she gets to a certain point. And that's the only thing that made sense in my brain. Um, my brain works a lot differently than other people's. <laughs> so. Well, I thought it was super clever too because when you start getting like, "Why is she throwing stuff at it and counting? Like, is she just being a, a jerk to it?" You start seeing mm-hmm. it go slower than the the battery life on it going down. Like, oh, that's awesome! And then it stops working. It's like, okay, now you can go. Um, and I wonder if that's maybe her mistake. Is that when when it finally was not getting back up, she should have like found a big stick and just started beating the crap out of it. Then you're right. Why didn't she do that? Because it and, clearly was not moving. Like it didn't budge when she finally jumped down from the tree. Why didn't she find a big ass rock? I mean, they were. I don't know if she was so close to that creek where there were some big rocks, but some big limbs, some big, you know, pick it up and slam it against the <laughs> freaking yeah. tree. That's a good point. Why didn't she do that? And I, the only thing, the only thing I could say is like maybe she knew that if she destroyed it, or maybe you know, maybe she knew she only had like ten minutes to get away, so she couldn't destroy it in ten minutes and she screwed. But the other thing, maybe she knew is that if she like tried to break it, that's when it would do its self destruct. But if that's the case, then why at the end did she not, after destroying it, try to get away from it? Like, she seemed very surprised by that self-destruct situation. Right. That's true. Although she wasn't a very traumatic event, so maybe, like, you know, it was a a slip of the mind. It's like, oh, thank God. Oh, shit. I forgot. Then, boom, too late. That's true. 
Yeah, I don't know. I could see that go either way, and I'm not sure, you know, there's a definitive answer. But yeah, why the hell didn't she just, you know, either pick it up and sling it, slam it on the ground? There was a big-ass log that it was sitting next to. You know, she could have picked it up and slung it or grabbed a rock, a big limb, and smashed the shit out of it. It may not have stopped, you know, if, if there was some sort of mechanism that this thing gets destroyed, that it triggers an alert for others in the area to, you know, come seek and destroy. Um, but, yeah, I feel like that still would have bought her more time than what she had once this thing finally woke up and found her. But I still think it was pretty clever. Huh. Like, you know, it was a pretty awesome situation that we get to call back to Hunger Games. So uh, my number two is just her <laughs> hiding in the tree. I find that so hilarious because I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, we got a Katniss Everdeen <laughs> uh, moment. I, I love it. And I would just like to say, I don't know about you, but I would have fallen out of that damn tree. Just there's no mm, way. Yeah. I can't do that. Um I don't even know if I could climb up the tree. That's where I'd be. I'd be, like, hanging on the limb, and it'd just come over, and the dog would shake its head at me and, like, cut my Achilles heel. Yeah. It'd be like, oh, you're pathetic. You're way too easy. I'm just <laughs> you're not even you worth out. my time. Yeah. It's just going to sit there and look at you like, really? Is this the best you got? Yeah, I don't know that I would have <laughs> even made it up the tree, much less stayed in the tree. Even awake, I don't think I would have stayed in the tree, <laughs> much less uh, falling asleep and nearly falling out. You know, Katniss almost fell out, too, but she hung on a little bit better than this lady did. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert for anyone that hasn't seen Hunger Games. I feel sorry for you. Um, so my number two was just the question. It's kind of short, but what we found out later in the end, uh, my number two is what they were after. So we see in the end what they what this all this risk was i mean this loss of life this fear and this cat and mouse game that that was maybe not cat and mouse is not quite accurate because this um robot definitely was not toying with her like a cat would but was the risk worth what they were looking for in the warehouse we find out that it's this big ass box of teddy bears um we we don't know all the story we've mentioned before uh, as we're talking that we don't quite know the full story. We don't know where their hideout is because clearly they're, they're, ha they're having to hide from these things um, that that's out there. Because if, if you venture out, you're, you're, you might have some sense of freedom until, oops, you stumble upon one when you don't even know it. Um, they may not even be necessarily out patrolling. You could just stumble upon one. Um, but I think that we gathered enough information to know that this teddy bear was for like a sick or dying child. You know, I was expecting them because you, you look at this world and you think, oh, there's got to be like a food shortage, uh, a fuel shortage. Mm -hmm. You know, they're driving a vehicle. That vehicle, I'm guessing, is running on something, some, even if it's uh, some, sort, uh, some sort of battery powered source like an electric car there's still some type of like gas or fuel that, that is needed or even supplies um, uh, like medical supplies or something, you know, there's gotta be a short supply. Just that's what you assume when you look at this world, but they're out looking for a teddy bear. They're not even ransacking the rest of the, the warehouse looking for things. They're specifically looking for this one thing. Do you think it was worth it? Um, I mean, that's tough to, I mean, at first when they talk about like, if it's anything to help them, you know, uh, eases pain mm -hmm. i was expecting like medicine or something like that because you was asking somebody like maybe had a tra traumatic event or was dying from like a sickness but i mean it's one of those things in this world like if there's a kid and something happens that they're not gonna make it you know they're gonna die like if there's if there's nothing that you can do like to help a kid in mm -hmm. this bleak world 
you know, I mean, it's it's a good question to ask. Was this, you know, this kid probably still passed away. Jake, I think, is what she said his name was. Mm-hmm. You know, three people died trying to get this bear, and the kid probably died too. And potentially, it might even led them towards where they are because she was on that CB. Right. Yeah, they were able um, to pick up some sort of transmission. But, I mean, I don't know. It's one of those things that, like, hope's a big, big motivator, big morale booster. Mm-hmm. So maybe in this moment, it's like, hey, if we can do this for this kid, you know, help his mom, help his dad, help like the community that we have here. It, it's totally worth it. And I think that's that's kind of like, you know, movie moments are like, hurrah, we'll do this. And, you know, they, they go and they defeat the monster and they, you know, bring home the, the thing and the kid somehow miraculously survives. But Black Mirror doesn't play, you know, TV, <laughs> you know, rules. It's like, no, realistically, everybody would have probably died because somebody would have made a mistake. And that's what happened. Right. I agree. Well, that was just something that I thought was, you know, I thought it, you know, was it, was it worth it? And I think I, you know, I do agree with, with what you said. I just want to kind of get um, your perspective on it first that, you know, um, it seems like there's so little to be hopeful for in this world. Just the little picture, the little glimpse, the 38 minutes that we got in this episode seems pretty bleak and dire. And it sounds like it was a replacement. Like maybe this kid had a teddy bear, either similar or one very much like it. And, and maybe lost it. Maybe something happened. You know, we don't know. But it sounded to me like it was a replacement. And clearly it must have been something that made this child feel better. And, you know, even if you can't do anything to, to physically save the child, if, if it's sick or dying, um, then any any type of comfort I think that you can bring to somebody, whether it's something, uh, an object or something medicinal that can be given to ease someone's pain or discomfort in those moments, then, you know, maybe it was worth it. Um, but I just thought that that was interesting because it, it wasn't what I was expecting. So, you know, I was expecting maybe some, because even if they couldn't say, they acted like even what they were looking for, maybe couldn't save the child, but maybe it would be maybe some pain meds. that maybe, That's what I was expecting, yeah. Yeah, at least you, you're not going to have some sort of cure if, if, they're, if someone is sick and dying or something. Maybe it wasn't a cure, but maybe some pain meds at least that would take them out of their misery so they can at least be, you know, comfortable. Uh, so I was at least expecting something medicinal um, in nature or something like that. And that definitely was not what I expected. So I thought that was interesting. That's my number two. I like it. That's a that's a one I had on my list and took off was going to use as a note because I thought it was a very poignant moment because the twist in Black Mirror typically aren't like this. It's like, you know, like, oh, okay, everybody died. That's sad. And they do the cut over the bears like, oh, like, oh, it was a kid. Oh, well, that's even more sad. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, so what's your number one? My number one, I'm going to go with, even though she didn't make it, I'm going to go with Bella because she is a badass chick. Yeah. Um. She the, the moment where you're like, holy cow, this chick is like, I don't want to mess with her. As she's digging that tracer out of her leg. Well, one, she like fights this dog off multiple <laughs> times. Yes. And she's able to use that knife to dig that tracer out. And super smart, throw it in a bottle, chuck it in the creek, and let it run down. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, I'm going to go the opposite direction and kind of get some, you know, distance between me and this dog. Um, She was able to handle that shotgun really well. It was super smart. Like, again, they had to kind of have an idea of what these dogs were. She was able to use that paint to throw on the dog to Mm -hmm. blind it. And then had the wherewithal to throw it against the wall, and it starts, like, digging at the wall. Yeah, Super smart. Yeah, and then she knew about the car. Like, she's trying to get away in the car. It won't run, but the music's playing, and she's like, oh, this is how I can trap it. Uh, and kind of, we talked about it a little bit, too, but the actress that played this was 
you know, this was one of those things that when she was like being chased by this dog, you had a, a real sense of fear. You had an like it felt like, you know, each of these characters knew like, oh, we just ran into this thing. We're all going to die. Like if we survive, it's by luck. It's not that, you know, we're superheroes in this world or, you know, we're above and beyond like you'd see in a lot of TV shows. It's no, like we are literally running for our lives. Like we probably are going to die. Mm-hmm. And they all kind of have that realization. And um, it just, you felt that fear. And Black Mirror is great about this because it's a TV show. So you're like, oh, well, she's going to survive in the end, right? Like, or something's going to happen where she's still around. Nope. She has to take her own life because she knows like all those trackers around. And I, I thought it was going to be so fucked up if she had to take like each one of them out of her. Cause there was quite a few, was, like one in her face, one near her throat. Um, but as she's standing there, she's like, I, it's, I, I can't get away. Like I'm, I'm basically dead. Yeah. Like the, the couple in the bed that she yeah. came across. Yeah. And, yeah. It's the slow cutaway. It's and it's like, damn you black mirror. <laughs> and you start seeing, and you're like, Oh, but you can survive. You can do it. But it does the thing where it keeps cutting. And you see all the other dogs starting to co- come onto the house. And you're like, oh, man. Oh, I know, because you really, I mean, at least me, my perspective, I was really rooting for her. Mm-hmm, you know, yeah. you just mentioned all the things that she was able to overcome and how she was able to outsmart this one. You know, digging out that tracker. I mean, just being a badass, being a survivor, you know, running away uh, from the warehouse, you know, uh, uh, getting away from it, uh, dr- getting the car over the cliff, trapping that thing inside and, and getting the car over the cliff and being able to get away. Digging out the tracker, throwing it in the creek, and going the opposite way. Now, unfortunately, either she didn't know or didn't realize that she was bleeding and that this thing could pick up a blood trail, either by a heat signature or whatever, but you could saw it was picking up on it, and it was able to, to track her that way. Um, so either she didn't know or didn't realize that that was happening. Um, and then in all the encounters that she has with this thing, she's able to somehow overcome it, and you just think, oh, she's going to make it. She's going to make it. And then, ugh, she... <laughs> then nope sorry like you mentioned black mirror is going to pull the rug out from under you (laughs) and uh, not give you that happy ending at all um yeah that's great i'm sorry i kind of ran into your number one what else did you have to say on that i mean that's pretty much it just i mean like you see all these moments and she's a very superhero moment but this was like a very realistic like situation that that would actually i think happen in in this world is that you know not everybody's gonna make it and that's really what they showed yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It didn't seem, I mean, the technology is obviously pretty advanced as far as the dog and these trackers, but it didn't seem the things that she did weren't like too far fetched. They didn't seem too superhero like where it was unbelievable. Like it was believable enough, you know, to, to give you buy in into what was happening and that she might actually make it and that this that this could happen number one which i think is really scary like you said it doesn't you know i you know i you know i i joke and i tease all the time about you know this you know like the terminator skynet situation ai getting too smart and taking over the world that all you know it's going to you know we're going to build these things and they're going to turn on us but you know in a just a teeny tiny little part of me it's like fuck (laughs) that might happen so scary scary thoughts it is a scary thought um just to think about that you know there could be some sort of really smart intelligence out there that you know and then we're in the survival mode trying to get away from them very believable and yeah very very good did you have anything else you want to say about your number one no so that's just my number one's bella yeah i 
gosh, we're so in sync. It just makes me happy. Uh, that that goes into my number one as well. Was just the end game. You know, mm. she's she's at this house. She stumbles upon it. You know, gets over this huge uh, fence barrier. Uh, she's trapped. She knows this thing's looking for her. She's bought herself some time, but she thinks if she can get, you know, uh, isolated and stay in for the night, that this thing's going to get confused and she's going to be able to throw throw it off track a little bit. That's going to get confused and not be able to find her. Um, I like how she she did seem very tough. She was strong and smart, but I like how she wasn't completely immune to when she came across the dead people looking for those car keys. Um, you know, she wasn't, I mean, you could tell it, it was really disturbing for her that maybe this isn't something she's had to come across very often in, 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 you know, um, I don't know she, how often she's had to venture out of wherever their hiding place is and if they've stumbled upon people like this before, but she was clearly very affected. So I like, even though she was really strong at one point, she's also, it shows the other side of her where she was sensitive enough that this really affected her. Like she was really um, taken aback and really um, disgusted at, at, you know, she was touching them and you could see her, she was trying to wipe her hands on her jacket. She wanted to go wash her hands. It, it really affected her. Um, I thought it was just the whole, how it must, how she must have felt throughout the whole episode. And here she is at this point, how it must have felt to be hunted. I mean, can any of us say that we've been hunted like this um, by yeah, something? I'm like some people like, you know, that probably have been in the waters with sharks or, you know, in some areas of wilderness with like predators can probably be like, oh, mm-hmm. I, I know what it's like to be hunted by a cougar. Me? No, I've never been hunted by a cougar ever. No. Not at a bar. Not at a- <laughs> <laughs> not any kind of cougar of, with, <laughs> of any sort <laughs> has, has had you in their crosshair. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. They're going to be looking for you now, Sean. Um, <laughs> watch yourself. Um, yeah, I can't I can't say either. You know, I mean, I, I can't say I've ever been in that type. I wouldn't want to be in that situation either. So I can't imagine what it must have felt like to to know that something is hunting you. And it and you've seen what it can do. There's no reasoning with this thing. It's just it's it's it has no emotion we don't know if there's a person behind it controlling it that can stop it or that will stop it or, or what's happening on the other side of it. Um, and, and to know that this thing, all it wants to do is just kill you. I don't know what that would feel like. And I think to me, it sounds absolutely terrifying. So, you know, we see her at this house hunkering down. Um, and I thought that it was just really interesting that when, she, you know, as you mentioned, she leads it out to the car and, it, she blows its head off and you and, and you feel this relief as she did in the moment like yes she's beat this thing and you feel triumphant and then all of a sudden you hear the little ping yeah um, and you and you're just like and you see that look on her face she's like oh shit did she know that that was going to happen did she forget was she caught up in the moment thinking i beat this little fucker and, uh, you know, that's all she can think of in that moment. She wasn't thinking that this would happen or didn't know that it would happen. And she gets the the little scatter bomb of the trackers that gets embedded in your skin. Um, I just thought it was interesting. I wasn't sure about, like, because I saw it in her throat. And, I mean, when, when we saw her dig the one out of her leg, I mean, it looked like you could see the little beep or, like, the little flash of the light. Like it was like the tracking thing inside of it. 
And so it wasn't so deep that you couldn't see that, but it looked kind of deep enough that she, you know, when she tried to cut it out, she couldn't quite get it. She had to kind of get uh, that other knife for like the pliers end of it. I have one of those knives, by the way. Uh, I guess I should, I guess I should carry it around with me yeah, just, <laughs> just in, in case, case. <laughs> you never know. Um, but she did have to kind of dig in there at it. And I'm just curious. I know that she had, I only saw, it looked like it let out a lot of them when it happened. Cause I mean, it, it went up and then boom and scat and, and like, you know, I don't know how many of these things, but a lot of them went out everywhere. I only saw the one on her face and her cheek. Um, and then that one in her neck. I don't know how many others that she had, but I don't understand. I was confused, I guess, after reading it. And then you said it earlier, like you, you took it that she went ahead and took her own life, but that's I what was, it seemed like to me, but I could be wrong. I I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just, I think that a lot of this is open for interpretation and I could be completely wrong. I don't know. I thought that she was going to try to dig it out of her neck, but I think that seeing the location of it, she was afraid that she would bleed out Yeah, because it was right there, like where your jugular would be. And, you know, I mean, if you, if you go too deep, you're going to bleed out and you're going to have a hell of a time, I think, uh, getting that to stop or you risk, you know, bleeding out. Um, and, and anyway, I think she kind of knew that there were others after her at that point. So I don't know if she knew that I'm just going to have to off myself, uh, like the, these other folks, which again is the question, like what the hell happened in this world that it was better to off yourself, that this world is so terrifying well, I mean, she just had a battle with one. Like, I'm sure she knows that. And maybe that's what she knows is that now a herd of them's coming for her. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, it's just that moment where you're backed against the wall and it's like it's they're, they're, it's fight to the death being stabbed by these little things or, you know, I just can't take it anymore. I don't know. And she was in that house where somebody had already committed suicide. So maybe it's like, well, maybe that's the best approach. Maybe that's the best thing. Right. And and that, that was my thing. I, I didn't know if she knew that there were like this somehow signaled um and and i i mean that makes sense i mean we kind of discussed it earlier so i guess it kind of makes sense that okay yeah she's off to this one but now she has uh new fresh trackers and that these are not um isolated to that one that she was able to take down that any of these robo dogs can pick up on these trackers and tracers and and find somebody and hunt them down so maybe that's what she knew that she was like oh shit uh, now they're, I'm going to have anything in within, let's say a five, 10 mile, whatever radius, uh, that can pick up on these things. They're all going to come after me. Um, but it's like, even if she knew that she, I feel like she could have still tried to, to dig them out. Like almost maybe she gave up too easy. Like she could have dug them out or I don't know, maybe she just did feel that too many would be coming and that no matter where she went trying to run, she was going to stumble upon more of them. Like, you know, I don't, I don't know. I just, I was just not sure if I was completely satisfied with, with how it ended, but I did feel it was just very, she felt that it was over for her anyway with her last little message that she sent out. Mm -hmm. And I just thought how awful that it must have felt to be hunted. And that little thing was terrifying. Man, when that thing went to the kitchen, and got uh-huh, that knife. Yeah. That was that to me was scarier than when it had its gun before it lost its it, arm. It's almost like a scary kid, you know. Like you see those scary movies where a kid like is holding knives and things like that. You're like, oh, it's just freaky, and that's kind of the sense yes. I got with that. And it was mindless and blindless. Yeah. It was just it just you know would start stabbing uh, and it just started twisting just like crazy. And that to me was scarier than. 
than when it had its gun and it was, you know, shooting people in the head. And the little, like we mentioned earlier, the little clank, clank, clank of it as it was walking throughout the house as it was trying to track her down and find her. That was some scary shit, man. I was scared during this episode. I, to me, all that was really scary. And it had that damn knife. Um, that that was freaky uh, to me. I didn't like that <laughs> at all. So that to me. But I also thought... Um, you know, we mentioned earlier the, the music of the episode and those intense moments when they would really crank that that screeching violin. But then at the end, after it, it cut off from where she was and you just kind of got these these beautiful views of of those dogs, you know, throughout the different parts of where we had seen like the car, the warehouse, you go into the warehouse, you see the, the dumped over box of teddy bears, and then you get this really beautiful music at the end uh, compared to that high screeching of the violin. I thought that was a really nice contra- contrast to the rest of the episode and the intensity because it, it went from like this super high intensity, scary moments throughout from the beginning until that very end where you see Bella. And then it was kind of beautiful. I mean, it was scary still because these robot dogs are still out there, but I thought it was kind of a beautiful moment with the scenery and the music itself. I thought it was a nice contrast. So that's my number one. Good number one. Good episode good in general, e- I think. Yeah, just a good episode, I think, in general. Fun to talk about. Um, and probably a lot more things that can be said about it. I'm interested to, to hear what other people thought. Um, you mentioned that you had some notes. Did you have Did you have any additional notes or anything that we hadn't talked about? Yeah, just two little things. Um, one, I felt like this was very much like, uh, I don't know if you ever saw the show, uh, the movie 28 Days Later. Yes. Um, I really felt like there's a lot of inspiration from that because that one ends, I think the original ending on that's pretty bleak. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I got here. Agreed. And the other weird thing was that she's going through the kitchen. She found two random shotgun shells. Mm-hmm. And that to me felt very like Resident Evil or video game type thing. Like you open a kitchen drawer and now add two shotgun shells to your inventory. She just like, needed a red and green herb. And she- <laughs> yeah. Like I know, I know a lot of people who hunt and things like that and they just don't have random shotgun shells in their house. Oh, I don't know if um, uh, in my family, which I've mentioned before, um, you're likely to find some shells of any uh, nature <laughs> lying just about anywhere. You didn't hear that from me, folks. Did you have any uh, <laughs> extra notes or anything? Um, the, a couple of notes that I had, I think I already kind of mentioned it. This was the shortest of all the Black Mirror episodes. I think it was the, just 38 minutes. And so out of the entire series, uh, this one was the shortest. But yet I thought it was kind of strong, in my opinion. I know that there were, I think, some differing opinions on this one. So I thought it was really interesting that for such a short episode, I thought it was a strong one. Um, and I really liked it. We kind of talked a little bit already about uh, the the strong the female lead I like how Black Mirror has seemed to kind of given us you know these good female leads it's not all about the men you know and we talked about that a little bit with Crocodile where the role was originally written for a man as the the, the male lead and then when the um, and I, I'm so horrible with names but the actress uh, that ended up playing the lead you know she's reading for a different role and she's like hey have you thought about this being a female and they're just like, oh, yeah, let's do that, you know. And I think I love how they're they're wanting that they can go there. It doesn't have to always be a male lead and that it, we can have some good, strong female characters. And I really liked this character, Bella. She was smart, resourceful. She was a survivor. Also, another note that I had was just about David Slade himself, the director for this episode. I thought it was interesting. He also directed um, for American Gods. That TV oh, nice. Show. Yeah, and Hannibal. 
and Breaking Bad. So, oh, he was the director of Thirty Days a Night too. Yeah, he's which is got, a great flick. Yeah, I certainly did not list everything that he's done. Just some things that um, I thought um, personally to me were interesting. But yeah, definitely look him up. He's got a pretty good uh, resume um, uh, and good work behind him. So, and I thought he made some good choices in this episode as well. You know, choosing since it was his decision to to do the black and white, and I think just. You know, the way it was shot was just beautiful and, and really kind of put you in the episode. So I thought that was interesting about David Slade. Look him up. Um, and I think we've already kind of touched on a little bit as we talked about the episode, which just some questions like, what do you think happened in this world? What made that couple kill themselves? They still had running water. They still had some sort of power source. There were lights in that bathroom when Bella went in the bathroom, you know, to kind of clean up. There was some lights on still in there. I just thought, you know, uh, that these people made this choice to kill themselves instead of you know, uh, living in this world the way it was, which I guess we kind of see that. We saw that in the in the Walking Dead too, where people yeah. decide to just like, I, I'm just not going to make it. I'm just, I'd just rather take myself out than face whatever's yeah. out there. I'm not going to make that's, it and survive. That's so. so scary. Like, especially when you have family and kids, it's like, I think in Walking Dead, it was that way. It's like, I can't see my family. And it's, oh, another great show is like the, the fog, not the fog, the mist. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a very similar kind of scene in that too. Yeah. Uh, very scary. So just, some, I think, some outstanding questions. Um, I certainly don't expect anyone to know them, but I think just some outstanding questions that we had. Um, and then I've already mentioned that the, the robo-dog was scarier, I thought, with the knife <laughs> than he was <laughs> with the gun. I did not like that. Um, reminded me of a, an old horror movie I watched as a kid. It wasn't a robo-dog. It was this little doll that had a knife. Oh, my gosh. That, that um, completely... Child's play? Uh, no, it was called... Um, and it was kind. It's kind of obscure. I don't know too many other people that have um, watched it or heard of it. But and I couldn't even tell you what year it was. But it was um, called Trilogy of Terror, and it seemed to have. It was kind of a similar where it was like almost like a creep show where there were like a, a couple of different horror stories, like three little horror stories in this one movie. And this one uh, story had this tale of this possessed doll from like um africa or something oh that is a a richard matheson's uh short story is it okay yeah well, oh yeah yeah this uh particular movie uh really traumatized me as a child i i could watch scary movies from dusk till dawn and not have nightmares but the exorcist i've already mentioned before on uh when we talked about stranger things and this particular movie called trilogy of terror this tiny i mean it's a just a little you know uh probably seven or eight inch tall doll but it had this little knife and it would make this really ratchet noise and it would chase this woman across her home and she was hiding in the bathroom and it had this little knife that just kept just mindlessly stabbing and i mean it scared the hell out of me as a kid because i and, and i have an issue with dolls to this day and uh the knife thing really just freaks me out so um, i can't even find it playing anywhere i've tried to like you know see if i can still watch it to this day <laughs> scare myself and i can't even find it anywhere streaming or anywhere available but anybody that's watched it um and knows what i'm talking about you think because it scared the hell out of me as a kid and i could watch anything <laughs> almost anyway that's awesome um good good top five good notes so so now that we've covered our top five and notes, we're going to jump into some news about um, the episode. So, Sean, why don't you kick us off? All right. Uh, our first one is from Entertainment Weekly. So this is kind of another question and answer. So Entertainment Weekly asks, love this episode. It's inspired, I assume, by those Boston Dynamic videos on YouTube crossed with Night of the Living Dead. 
And Charlie Brooker says, that's actually scarily correct. It was the it was from watching Boston Dynamic videos, but crossed with, have you seen the film All is Lost? I wanted a story where there was almost no dialogue, and with those videos, there's something very creepy watching them where they get knocked over, and they look sort of pathetic lying there, but then they slowly manage to get back up. Uh, Entertainment Weekly asks, you never filled in questions such as, how did the robots take over? Is anybody controlling them? Did you figure out, and is there any backstory you can share? And Brooker says, we sort of deliberated, or we sort of deliberately decided not to flesh out a lot of the backstory. Originally, my first draft, we also showed a human operator operating the dog robot from across the ocean to his house. There was a bit I liked where he leaves the control unit while the robot is watching her while she's up in the tree, and he goes and gives his kids a bath. But it felt a bit weird and too on the nose. It kind of felt uh, superfluous. Superfluous? Yeah, superfluous. We're going to say that. (laughs) It kind of felt superfluous. We deliberately paired it back and did a very simple story. I'm glad about that. Like, I think it would have been, like, it would have felt very Black Mirror if that's, like, how the episode ended. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I kind of like this more dystopian, you know, it's just, like, how the world is now. Right. Yeah. I I know we mentioned that, like, in in the top, when we were getting into our top five, like, you know, we had all these questions, but didn't get the answers and we're okay with that or at least I was maybe some were unsatisfied but I'm kind of glad they didn't go that way I think he made a good choice see we love you Charlie Brooker follow your gut <laughs> yeah exactly he hasn't let us wrong too often nope I I'm I'm happy with with most of of the things that he's done that's for sure um so yeah keep it up uh so this next article that we have is from digitalspy.com so just a little warning this article does contain just a little bit of info from season one of black mirror that could be considered spoilery so if you haven't yet watched uh, season one uh, you might want to skip over this um, unless you just don't care about that kind of thing. But um, I hope that you've seen season one and all the other seasons of Black Mirror because it's great. But I just wanted to kind of throw that out there just in case you're jumping into season four um, along with us and don't know. Um, so I thought this was kind of interesting. A new poll reveals which piece of Black Mirror tech the public wants to use the most. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So the dystopian Netflix series has featured several pieces of tech that are as yet unavailable to the public, or are they? But given that Charlie Brooker has proved himself quite the prophet, there's every chance we could see some of these innovations in the future. And now a YouGov poll has put 11 of them to the public to see which ones Brits would like or would most like to will into existence. We think the answer may surprise you. So the survey included technology seen in season four episodes, Crocodile, Hang the DJ, USS Callister, and Archangel, but the most popular device actually comes courtesy of Season 1. Taken from The Entire History of You, which just so happens to be Digital Spy's favorite Black Mirror episode so far, the implant allows users to record everything they hear and see, meaning footage can be stored and rewatched at any time. Almost 3 in 10 Brits said that they would be willing to be implanted with the wearable tech, making it the most popular innovation out of the 111 asked about. 
The least popular invention was the app from Season 3 episode Nosedive, which allows users to rate and be rated on every social or societal action, with only 7% of those polls willing to use it. I'd have to agree. I didn't like that. Did you... You ha- I haven't you seen got that Nosedive yet. That? That's, that's the next one on my list. Okay. Well, I hope hopefully that wasn't too spoilery. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I mean, the main thing I want, like, I want that pizza truck. We've already talked about this before. That pizza I want a truck, pizza truck to come to my door. It's got to happen. Um, I'd be willing to pay some top dollar for pizza yeah. at my door. If, oh, um, and it's fresh. Mm. Especially with the crap weather that we've had. I know we've had pretty similar crap weather. And if that thing has got a four-wheel drive, that will yes. get through that damn ice and snow that we get and may get again. Then, uh, yeah, I'll pay top dollar uh, for some pizza delivered to my door at, um, you know, when it's 12... 12 degrees, five inches of snow on the ground, and I have to have a pizza. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool, especially uh, a lot of that technology that they put out there. And I did like Entire History of You. You did see that one, right, from season Yeah, I like that one. That was one. another super depressing one. Like any of the ones Whew. that are like relationship-wise that like doesn't work out well. Uh, I'm excited to talk about that one in, in, in the future too. Yeah, When we go absolutely. back to rewatch some of these. Absolutely. Yeah. They're, they're, oh God, some good stuff out there. That's for sure. So I thought that was kind of interesting um, because I think we all kind of look at that and question a little bit like, hmm, would this be good? Would this be bad? Would we want this? Would we not? Um, you know, that kind of, those kind of questions. So anyway, so now we're going to jump into our my favorite part anyway Sean's yes. too I'm gonna speak for Sean yes, as well it's my favorite um, part we love listener feedback so we're gonna jump into letters from the upside down some listener feedback Sean why don't you kick us off all right our first one's from Erica Land I was thinking what the group was going into the factory for would be supplies medical food or other necessities then to find out it was a box of teddy bears that made me sad and angry all at one time knowing they died for something so simple yet so important for the happiness of a child in such a Desolate existence was utterly devastating. Hmm. Yeah, I feel you, Erica. Elizabeth Nikolovich says, Metalhead, not one of my fave episodes, but nonetheless terrorizing. And many spot Boston Dynamics feels as creepy. Post-apocalyptic somewhere with an AI predator hunting the once predator, the human. These dogs are not explained, nor what happened. Hopeless situation and world. Sterile and nihilistic. Marine Favo liked the black and white. Also appreciated entering in the middle of the mission. They dribbled clues our way, causing us to ask some questions as as the characters. Then narration gave answers and next questions, whether from characters or robots. uh, Navigation tracking system. Well executed. Yeah, good thoughts. Paik Allen says, such a divisive episode, it seems. Many people seem to dislike it for some reason. It was one of my favorite Black Mirror episodes. I loved the black and white and the intense suspense pretty much the whole episode. Felt like an old school horror thriller. On the edge the entire time. And the fact they did it all for a sick little boy speaks to, de- speaks to the desperation and desolation of the world at that point. Maybe the apocalypse was brought on by these dogs? I'm okay with a good unanswered mystery here and there. Yeah, I agree, Paik. Good thoughts. Here's some feedback uh, regarding the Hang the DJ episode. So Elizabeth Nelukovic, I wouldn't say Hang the DJ was any way, shape, or form romantic, and sci-fi has plenty of love stories, just not all up in your face and explicit. For example, Ready Player One. 
Uh, in Hang the DJ, I knew from the beginning the two would end up together. Everything in between in terms of premiations to probability was not creating anything more definite, defi- definite than the two at point A, except the technology trials for the female demonstrated some effect. A good-looking guy, but all superficial. For the male, not so much. He was not good-looking, so that resolved the issue for her and by default for him because she was attractive. And the old adage, looks are only skin deep, prevailed. Issued, resolved. But romantic, not in the least bit. Very mechanical. Yeah, I I wanted to include some feedback, even though uh, we had already covered that episode last week. I always say I will, if you send it to me, uh, we'll cover it because I thought it was a really good, um, just a a different perspective than than you and I agreed that it was a a very romantic Mm -hmm. um, type of episode and was very into it. And I thought it was good to get some differing perspective on here because I like hearing what other people um, have to say. So thanks for that, Elizabeth. Please keep sending us in more things like that. Uh, So we have an email. This is also uh, some feedback for Hang the DJ as well. Lots of people talking about Hang the DJ. So we're going to, I'm happy to keep talking. (laughs) Oh, so I love that episode. Yeah. We could keep talking about it every, every, we need to have a Hang the DJ like, uh, section of our show now yeah we need to just always have some sort of little tribute to hang the dj some sort of mention it of it somewhere and have all of our you super- know what would have made metalhead better <laughs> if bella and the dog held hands while waiting in bed <laughs> we're gonna be throwing some romance um by <laughs> damn in every episode if we can try to make them all like hang the dj um but this one this email is from tony w He says, I think the rock skipping four times uh, was kind of a reference or a clue to them being in a simulation, much like in the first Matrix movie when the cat purred and walked by twice like a glitch in the system when someone was changing something. Deja vu is French for something that already occurred loosely. So, Hmm. yeah, I, 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 I... after I kind of watched the episode, I kind of picked up on that too. I was like, oh, okay. So I kind of get that she kind of got clued in there that one last time that she was skipping that rock um, when she was with him that she's like, something's just not right here. So that's a really good um, pick up there, Tony. And thank you to everyone uh, for writing in on Facebook. We get such great response on our uh, Facebook page. We get some great emails. We've even got lots of interaction on Twitter and now our Instagram page. You know, lots of people um, letting us know what you think. So thank you everyone for taking that time to let us know what you think about these episodes, whether you liked it, whether you didn't, if you're calling us out and saying, you know what, Raymond Sean, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we want to hear about it. So thank you, everyone. Yeah, thanks, everybody. All right, so next week we'll be covering the sixth and final episode from season four of Black Mirror titled Black Museum. Yay! And during that episode, Reem and I are going to have a special announcement on the next show that we'll be covering on Strange Indeed. Stay tuned. You'll have to listen to find out. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tease it. You guys just gotta listen. So um, <laughs> tune in, and we're so excited for you to look into the Black Mirror with us. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter at Strange Tcast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. And you can check us out on Instagram at Stranger underscore Indeed underscore pod. And you can email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. 
And you can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts like The Walking Dead Cast at podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed or any of the other great Podcastica podcasts on Apple Podcast. And make sure to check out Sean and his other podcast, The Language of Bromance, that comes out every Sunday. Yeah. Yay. All right. Well, all right. Well, that's our show, episode 23, A Metalhead. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Marie Favo is strange indeed. Maybe someone can hear me. If there is anyone there, this is just to say that I'm I'm not coming back. I'm sorry to Ali and that she should give Jack a kiss for me. I'm sorry I didn't get the replacement like I promised. I know how dear it was to him. And I did try. We all tried. I hope you can look after him. Graham, I love you. And all of you. I've always loved you all.